China's economy. A real deal. John Bolton. Submit your resignation. We're going to take your AR-15. Strike on Saudi oil facility. It was Iran. General Motors. We're on strike. Avoid vaping. A whistleblower. Impeachment inquiry. Perfect phone call. Joe Biden's son. You should be looking at Trump. Corrupt. Welcome to 2020. News Radio 840. WHAS. Haul packages for a living? A gas-powered Mercedes-Benz Sprinter delivers. Transport people? A Sprinter van with 0% financing is a five-star idea. If food delivery is your thing, then a gas Sprinter caters to you. And if you're a general contractor, the Sprinter with 0% financing nails it. With innovation, safety, and technology, Sprinter is built for you. And it's built for your bottom line with 0% financing. The Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, starting at just 33790 And for a limited time with IRS Section 179, you could be eligible for up to a $25,000 tax deduction. Gas engine, 0% financing, and a possible tax deduction? Now that's a Sprinter that delivers. Mercedes-Benz. Vans. Born to run. MSRP excludes all options, taxes, title, registration, transportation, charge, and dealer prep fee. Options, bond availability, and actual dealer price may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Only valid on 2018 or 2019 Mercedes-Benz Sprinter vans, excluding cap chassis. Qualified commercial customers only. Financing offer valid through January 2nd, 2020. Consult your tax advisor. For more information, limits may apply. Visit mbvans.com. A study published in the medical journal Addiction finds that depressed people are more likely to use marijuana regularly and less likely to perceive it as risky. One out of five people who said they were depressed admitted using cannabis. The study mentions that the legalization of recreational marijuana could explain the decrease in people's perceived risk of the drug. Outside data suggests cannabis can actually make depression worse. A growing number of diabetes patients here in America are turning to the black market for insulin. A new study by the University of Utah College of Nursing shows as the price of insulin soars, many patients are trading medication, they're borrowing from friends and strangers, and they're seeking help online. The average user pays $15 a day for insulin, and the study shows one in four is rationing. Health Update, Sarah Lee Kessler, NBC News Radio. Kentucky football closes the season against Virginia Tech and the Belk Bowl. Coverage begins Tuesday morning at 10 on News Radio 840 WHAS. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the Donhauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Studios. This is News Radio 840 WHAS. The following is a paid program. Just know you're not alone. Because I'm going to make this place yours. News Radio 840 WHAS. Good morning, Bob Sekoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show. Hopefully a great holiday season for you. And now we've got New Year's just ahead here in the studio to talk real estate for the next 30 minutes or so. Some great people. Lee Harris, legal counsel, limestone, title, and escrow. And Lee's number is 649-7964. That's her cell number. It really is. Lee, good to have you here this morning. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Also here, another buddy of mine who, quite frankly, uh, owns the top inspection team in my book in this city, the top inspection team in the country for home team inspection service. How's that for a build-up? That's, that's a great build-up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's Brad Lawler. Those are the tones, mellifluous tones mm. of Brad Lawler. You can reach him, <laughs> 3 They hire veterans, which is so important to pay back to our vets, folks. And uh, they do a great job on top of all that. So thanks for being here. Well, thanks very much. Good morning. Good morning. You can reach me anytime at 376-5483. And coming up a little later on on today's show, 
the top 10 most expensive mistakes you're making on your home. Mm. We will talk about that in just a bit. Let's, for the right now, go to the phones. Good morning, Bob Sekoler, Louisville Real Estate Show, News Radio 840 WHAS. Hello. Hi, Bob. This is Sandy. Yeah. I just bought a home and had the home inspection. Moved in. We think the inspector missed a few things. What can I do? So, Brad, right off the bat, man, so <laughs> what would you suggest for Sandy to do? Well, I think what we need to do is take a look to see what she believes was missed. Uh, sometimes those things that are supposedly missed are, one, either they were included in the report and the client didn't read the report. You see that quite mm-hmm. a bit. The other problem that uh, we might have is that the things that were potentially missed might have been outside the scope of the home inspection. Which is important to point out that the home inspectors can do a lot of stuff, but they're not miracle workers. So, for example, if there's a section of a roof that they can't get into, right. you can't right. get into it. Other That's than, right. what would you say? Let's just say it's a yeah. section of the roof they can't get into. Okay. So what would the report say that a, a buyer should be looking for? So if, if there's a part of a roof that was inaccessible, I think so we're, we, we're not able to stand up on top of it or we're not able to see it due to height, due to weather conditions. It might have had snow on. It might have been raining the day that or they were out there. There's no way to see it. The inspector will list that in the report as an item that was inaccessible and will recommend further evaluation, probably by, you know, a, a licensed roofer, a qualified roofer. Keep in mind that when we're looking at roofs, there's two sides of the roof. So if they have attic access, they're going to look at the underside of that area just to see if there is any evidence of moisture damage or wood rot or something that would give us an idea that there's a problem up above it, too. What about, <laughs> I've seen this happen once or twice where a report comes back that the, is it called a scuttle hole? Is that what mm-hmm. I remember? Yes. Being? Scuttle hole. Right. The so access, that's, yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Access to the attic. Right. So the scuttle hole is too small for the inspector to fit through to get into the I've room. Heard yeah. that too. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's not uncommon, uh, particularly when they put the scuttles in a closet. Yeah. Uh, they're difficult to access, particularly if you don't have the right type of ladder uh, to reach into it, or if your your size uh, your shoulders are too wide to actually fit through the hole. The, the holes can be made at the convenience of the builder. There's not a standard size mm. to the uh, to the access hole. All right, so you don't have to answer this, but mm-hmm. i got to ask this question. Yeah. So when you hire a vet who, uh-huh. yep. who's going to be an inspector for you, do you measure the width of his shoulders to see if he's going to be able to get through some of the smaller spots? I can tell you that the largest inspector I have goes into some of the most inaccessible spaces that I really? have. Really? Yes. Yes, so I've got I've got a uh, a marine who's probably six five, three fifty. Yeah, and he will go into nearly any hole that he can physically pull himself through. You know, he could find a job in Las Vegas. Yes. as a magician. Yes, he could. Yes, he could. Escape. He's he is uh, he's quite the escape artist. I'd love it. So he and he's never been able to uh, find a space that he couldn't get out of. He's always finds a way to escape. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Or, that's right. Or, or, right. We, he hasn't been left yeah. behind. Yeah. So back to Sandy's problem, just to, mm-hmm. to, to wrap that up. So if she feels that the inspector has missed problems yeah. and she's reviewed the report, yes. what would you basically call the inspector? Call, correct? Yeah, call the inspector, discuss with the inspector those things that she feels might be missed. Typically what's going to happen is the inspector will come back out to the property, take a look at that with the with the homeowner, and then discuss you know what the new findings might be. It might have been an area that was that was covered. You know, we talk about 
you know, clutter in houses and the reasons that we need to pull those things away. It might have been something that was covered up the first time he was there, and now it's an opportunity to figure out what the, you know, the reasonable go forward, you know, correction to it if if it indeed was missed. So I was honored to speak along with several other of my compadres uh, at the Greater Louisville Board mm-hmm. of Realtors yeah. a month or so ago uh, to some new agents who mm-hmm. are uh, just coming on board and some seasoned agents as well and talking about techniques and things. And one of the things I brought up, which I thought was, to me, very important, is that we need to tell uh, all agents that when they put together a an inspection repair request, mm-hmm that it be typed up. And I think, Lee, we've talked about this in the past, that these handwritten inspection repair requests can be misinterpreted because if there's a word that I see is different than what the agent, the buyer agent wrote, it lends a, a, a possible problem at, when it comes time to um, the buyer to inspect what have, has been done with the repairs. Yeah, I think that's. I think it should be. I mean, and you have that ability on your, on your form contracts. So there's no reason to not do that. Yeah, and, and it goes a couple of steps further. I'm a big advocate for typed inspection reports with pictures embedded to explain what is the problem, and or what's being seen, and documentation so that the seller can visibly see where the problems are. I think we're seeing a decline in the number of handwritten reports that don't have any pictures, but they may still be out there. And I think we need to talk more about the professionalism of our industry as a whole, not just real estate agents, but inspectors, Mm -hmm. appraisers, and the like, that we raise it up to the highest possible standard. And anybody who's handwriting an inspection report in this day and age needs to go back Mm -hmm. to the, the board and refigure how they're doing yeah. their work, right? Because it doesn't cost that much more for the software, am I? No, right? the software is not particularly expensive. Uh, the, really, their standards of practice have remained a checklist type of report. Yeah. That's why you still get the handwritten ones versus the the narrative style, which is pretty – that's more common among the, the, the more modern home inspectors. Where there's a typed report that yes. gives an informational background of what mm-hmm. the problem is – and what should be done about it. Right, yeah. including the pictures that clearly identify what the what the defect is that was found. Yeah. I did hear something kind of cool that there's software coming along that, based on what the re- request is, can estimate a value mm-hmm. of the repair for that item. Oh, yes. Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, there's a few of them out there uh, that are commercially available right now. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a cost associated with it, but basically they're looking at all the data that they've collected uh, from the home inspection reports, and based on the area that you live in, they can estimate what the cost of those repairs will be. See, that's a big value, yeah. I think, for yeah. all of us who are mm-hmm. listing agents and for mm-hmm. buyer's agents so that we could go to, let's say, a buyer and say, okay, look, this is going to cost you 75 bucks to repair. Is it really worth putting mm-hmm. it in as a repair request? And if they say yes... Then the listing agent simply says to their seller, look, we can get this going forward. It's 75 bucks. You don't have to worry about any big expense here as long mm-hmm. as there's nothing else that is coming into play. I think that's yeah. a great thing yeah. to look at. Okay, so mm-hmm. we got stuff coming our way. Yep. That's great to hear. Let's go back to the phones. Hopefully, Sandy, we've, we got this answered for you. Back to the phones. Good morning, Bob Sekoler, Louisville Real Estate Show, News Radio 840 WHAS. Hello. Hi, Bob. This is Lisa. Yeah. I heard you talking about the Federal Pacific Electrical Panels 
and um, the house that I'm looking at has one. And I wanted to ask you if you think it would be a good idea to ask to get that replaced before we put in an offer. Okay, so, Brad, uh, okay. this is a big problem for everyone around the country. Yeah, and there's there's tens of thousands of those Federal Pacific uh, panels. They call them FPE. They call them Stablock. Uh, you'll know when you open your panel up and you see the orange tabs. And when the, the switches are turned on, they point to the outside of the box versus inside like the, the, the other uh, manufacturers do. Problem is, back in the 80s, uh, they were accused of catching fire. Mm-hmm. And so they <clears throat> have not been put into new homes uh, since the early 80s. I think 1984 was the last time they were installed. But there's still thousands of them in the Louisville area. We, we come across them every day. Uh, at this point in their life cycle, they're all nearing, you know, 35 to 40 years old. Chances are, uh, if you're looking at needing to expand the electrical service in a house, you're going to have to ex- replace that panel anyway. Uh, home inspectors have a different opinion on the panels. Electricians have a different opinion on the panels. Uh, some electricians will tell you that the panel needs to be replaced immediately. Others will look to see whether or not there's any evidence of overheating, any evidence of scorching. And if there is, then they'll tell you to replace it. Otherwise, they'll look at it and say, no, it's fine. You know, go ahead and and let it run. Home team's position on it is we just tell you that there's an FPE panel in place. We'll let you know if we see any evidence of overheating, but we'll always recommend an electrician do the evaluation on it uh, because of the fact that people do have different opinions on whether or not it is dangerous. There's not a home, uh, a house burning down every night in Louisville because of an FPE panel. However, there is the risk of them overheating. I had heard that they were still available in Canada. Canada. I just did a search. Mm-hmm. I did not find them. Yeah. But that, I'm just doing a quick search yes. on the website. So they still manufacture uh, the, the product in uh, for consumption in Canada. They still are uh, using them in Canada. The problem is that you cannot get replacement parts anymore. So if you have a, a breaker that goes bad in the panel, you can't find a replacement. Well, they're, they're, you, I've seen them for 100 bucks. You, you can. One, you can order them through Amazon and terrible. some other places, yeah. but you don't know what you're getting, yeah. and that would definitely be uh, not something we would recommend that you do. Right. At that, that point, let the electrician evaluate the panel. So let's turn now to the legal side of this, Lee. So an electrician looks at the panel and says it's in working order as far as he can see. Is there any liability at that point if the panel has a problem to the electrician or to the seller who may have hired that electrician or to the buyer who may have hired that electrician. What's the legality on this thing at this point? What what do we need to know? Um, I think uh, that there wouldn't be uh, – the buyer probably wouldn't have any, you know, liability because they would be the ones that would be buying the house and getting their insurance and, and you know – so if they had something bad happen after they purchased, I'm sure their company would cover it if the electrician had said you don't need to replace it. Going back a little bit just to in the contract legal question would be if you really want that to be done, you know, there's no reason to answer her question that you couldn't ask for that as part of your negotiation mm-hmm. and part of, you mm-hmm. know, just for everybody to be on the same page and happy up front. Hey, we know maybe it doesn't have to be done right now, but we'd feel more comfortable and we're making our offer such that the seller wouldn't have any liability. I'm sure the electrician, if they feel like it needs to be replaced, will say it needs to be replaced. So, is the electrician on the hook if they say it is in working order and something goes wrong? Because their license if, number is yeah, on the receipt. If that wasn't, if that was negligent advice, yes. I mean, anybody you hire, 
and pay to do a job for you mm-hmm. or, or to give you advice. If they do that negligently or fraudulently, mm-hmm. they have liability, yes. So this takes us back to one final point on this. So if a seller or anybody who is listening to us right now, this is why this show is really so important, the cost to replace one panel, mm-hmm. and again, I know this varies yeah, to people, sure. people. What might a 100 watt, which would be typical for what a Federal Pacific panel might yeah, be? Yeah, I mean, it's probably 100 to do 150 amp panel. Yeah. Uh, you know, to replace it, you're probably $1,200, $1,500. So okay. it's, not, it's not an extreme expense. Uh, there may be other, you know, upgrades that have to take place when they re- re- replace the panel. I think that's, that's the bigger cost that, that people potentially run into. But it's not it, it's not an astronomical expense to replace so, the panel. And so the reason I bring this up, and it's so important, is if you are thinking of selling your home down the road, it doesn't need to be now. Maybe it's in a year, two, three, five years. Mm-hmm. If you go down next time you're in the basement or wherever the panel is, take a look at it and see if it says Federal Pacific or what was the other one? Stablock. Stablock. Mm-hmm. Note that that will probably come up in a repair mm-hmm. request that it be replaced. And the reason this is so important to you right now as a homeowner is that you can, in your mind, remember when you set the price and accept an offer that this may come against your negative uh, uh, bottom line. But knowing that in advance gives you an upper hand in negotiating the first the price and then the repair request. Would you do that or would you recommend that they actually go ahead and replace that and just, you know, make the comment that the system's been upgraded? Yeah, no, and I think that's a perfectly good example mm-hmm. is to replace it. But there mm-hmm. are a lot of sellers who say, if it's not broke, why yeah. should okay. I touch it? Let's just leave it go until we see that there's a problem when right. when a, a buyer comes in to buy the house. Okay. So I'm looking at it from all sides mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Okay. Let us go back to the phones. Good morning. Bob Sekilder, Louisville Real Estate Show, News Radio 840 WHAS. Hello. Hi, Bob. This is Michelle. Yeah. My husband and I were out looking for homes, and I fell in love with a ranch in Oldham County. There were other people who wanted to buy it as well, and we ended up putting in an offer that was more than we really can afford. Now we're worried we did something that will hurt us financially down the road. How do I get out of the contract? Was well, a good question. So, Lee, this you know, there's a lot of pent up buyer activity, and then there you see people bidding and or putting offers in, and I could get involved with that emotion as well that you want that house, and now maybe realization sets in. Yeah. So, what are the options to be able to pull out of a contract? Okay, so the overarching umbrella of a contract is that everyone's acting in good faith. Okay, so there's contingencies in that contract. And as long as you are following those contingencies in good faith, then if one of those is legitimate, legitimately not met, in this case, it could be the financing. If, if, if your, you know, income doesn't uh, support that and the lender says, Hey, you can't do it. You could ask to be out on a, on a financing contingency. Um, you, if you are working under the Louisville contract, there's also an inspection contingency at which point, if you hire an inspector and receive a report, you can ask to be released based upon the fact that you have done that inspection and received that report. You could ask for a release just to tell the seller, look, I know you had some other people interested. You know, we are, we're just asking you for a release. That might not be uh, necessarily the best way to go at the outset because you're kind of showing your hand like, hey, we're trying to get out and they might feel like that's not necessarily good faith. But there's no such thing as canceling a real estate contract because it is called a bilateral contract. So you have to be released or you have to be let out under a contingency. So let's talk about the very last option, which you said just asked to be released. Mm-hmm. I would tell you that probably the seller and seller's agent would say, yeah, we'll release you, but we're holding your good faith sure. for taking it, yeah. which would be legal. Yeah. But 
you mentioned option number two in your in your list was to have an inspection. Now, granted, the home inspections vary in price and maybe as little as 250 maybe as much as 650 But we know and we would suggest uh, to our buyers that they know that uh, a simple uh, pest inspection, which right. would cost 40 or 50 bucks, would be enough to get them out of the contract if that's what they wanted to do. Am I right. correct? Yes. And, and basically... Under the Louisville contract, which is probably what you're under since you're in Oldham County, I would yeah. assume, is uh, the Section 10. You might want to go to Section 10 of that contract and look to see what it says about you have to hire a licensed person and you have to receive the report. At that point, you have several options. One is you can ask for those repairs or you can ask to be released and void the contract. And you so don't have to give an excuse. Right. You can just ask to be released. Exactly. Sellers are going to think it's unfair. Right. Seller agents are going to be upset. Yes. We've seen it happen. I've been on that side of this thing time. on a regular <laughs> basis. But there'll be another buyer that comes along. And better, I would suggest that this be done sooner than later uh, in the first day or so. And it might even be beneficial to say to, let's say, Lee, you're the seller agent and I'm the buyer agent. I say, look, Lee, just to let you know, the buyers had a change of heart and they want to get out now. We can go through and get a termite inspection, but I think it would be unfair for the home to be on the market uh, or off the market for 10 days or whatever it would take to get it. Uh, would you just release us and we'll just move forward and you move forward? Right. And that way the home is only off the market for a shorter period of time, and that gives you a better chance of getting another buyer in there very quickly, right? Yes. Yep. So, all, good all right. I think we're in good to that. All right. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, the tip. Top 10 most expensive mistakes you're making on your home. This may open some eyes. In the studio, we've got Lee Harris, legal counsel over at Limestone Title and Escrow. Her direct sell is 649-7964. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 357-0813. If you're thinking about selling, we've got a, well, 200 tips total. No obligation. Just simply send me an email. No cost. Bob at WeSellLouisville.com and then put in the headline, their subject line, um, Selling Home Tips. You can reach me as well, 376-5483. Back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. This is Lee Harris, owner and attorney at Limestone Title and Escrow here in Louisville, Kentucky. We are an experienced team of processors and attorneys who will be happy to help you with your closing needs. We are known for our flexible closing times. We're open to nights and weekends, whatever suits you or your clients. We can help you provide a smooth and quick closing and help with difficult situations based upon our history of expertise and experience in closings. Call us anytime at 502-632-227. News Radio 840 WHAS. Bob Sekuller here. Thank you, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. And we come out if you want to do the Guaranteed Sell Program or Instant Offer Program. Just come out. We'll set it up, get it going. No extra fees, no extra cost to cancel at any time. That's with the Guaranteed Sell Program and the Instant Offer Program. But i got to tell you, all of our sellers sake, okay, that's great and nice that you have it, but let's just sell it the way you do normally, which is we are just aggressive realtors that get the house done, sold because of the marketing that we do. You can see what we do, by the way, by going to uh, Louisville3D.com or Zillow has got our reviews, LouisvilleZillow.com or 
LouisvilleSellersTalk.com. There's a lot of places out there. In the studio, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 357-0813. Good to have you here. Thank you. Also, Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow, 649-7964 is her direct cell number. And when you're over at Limestone, ask for some of the cookies that they have because they're really great cookies. Bob loves the cookies. They're great cookies, yeah. Cookies. All right, top 10 most expensive mistakes you're making on your home, Brad. I'll give you the headline. You tell us why, and I'll tell you if you're okay, right, right. Okay. All right. Using traditional light bulbs. Oh, incandescents. And they add heat to your house, and they burn a lot of electricity. Where can you even find those? Anymore? I think you can get them on Amazon or okay. something. Over a lifespan, an incandescent bulb can use $180 worth of electricity. Mm-hmm. A CFL bulb, which is those curly yeah, ones, yeah. which not many people like, use $41 worth of electricity over the same period of time. And even better now, the LED bulb. $30 per bulb over the life of the bulb. Yep. So that's in worth it. Okay. Yes. Ignoring a leaky faucet. Uh, leaky faucet. Well, that's uh, they're going to talk about the cost of the water, the annoyance. It does damage to sinks. It does damage to your to the faucets. It leaves, you know, in our hard uh, water that we have around here, leaves a lot of minerals and scale on everything. Good. It's just You're on nasty. It. So a leaky faucet that drips. Uh, folks, watch this. One drop per second, so time right. it, okay. can waste more than 3,000 gallons of water per year, wow. which is enough water to take more than 180 showers. Okay. So think about that. And we, I hear a toilet that may be running improperly in yeah. my master bedroom, so I bought a replacement, so I'm going to mm-hmm. get a moment to do that over yeah. this holiday uh, weekend. Also, using the wrong air filter size. Yeah. So the wrong air filter size allows... Uh, dirt to get around the, the the filters that are smaller. We actually see f- people put filters that are too big and then can't get the door to the, to the, to the air handler closed, and then they'll have the uh, cutoff switches uh, actually taped down, believe it or not. But, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing engineering. Yeah, so write down somewhere the size of the filter mm-hmm. you need on a phone or something in the, you know, no discussion. Right. Not customizing temperature. Invest in a customizable Setback thermostat, correct? Yeah, sure. Are they difficult to put in? I'm sure that's what some people might be asking. The, the, uh, you, did we switch to thermostats from filters? Yeah, we did. Yeah, Sorry. okay. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, thermostats are, are generally fairly simple to put in. Some of the, the um, depends on how complicated your HVAC system is. Like I've got a humidifier system on mine. So uh, to put a uh, thermostat in takes a little bit of know-how to do that. But if you have something like these Nest thermostats or mm-hmm. these learning thermostats, you, I know that there's the uh, the helpline available to you, but right. they're a little bit more complicated than the old standard thermostats of, you know, 15, 20 Yester years ago. Year. Yes. Yesterday. Well, I don't want to go so, too far back. Here's, here's but, a quick tip. Before you do anything, take the cover off, take mm-hmm. a picture of it. Yes. If for some reason it doesn't work, you will then see where the wires were, were. before. Mm-hmm. And also, if you call the hotline, mm-hmm. they, you can then tell them based on the picture you took on your phone of yeah. uh, what they were at so you can help. They'll help you right. reprogram the proper way. That is, and that is great advice. Yeah. Take that picture before you start pulling any wires off that's anything. That's right. Yep. All right. Also, not adjusting air vents properly. So that's basically yeah. tuning the system, right? Yeah. So some people will shut down entire wings of their, of their homes, uh, some empty nesters out there, bedrooms that aren't being used. I know HVAC guys will sometimes um, find that a little bit um, concerning uh, because the system is set up to run 
uh, in all of the rooms. But yes, you can you you can close some vents off, but you may want to talk to the guy or gal who comes out and does the maintenance on your on your system every year, just to make sure you're not shutting down an area that is the only thing running on that system. Another tip, as he just said, is to get have it have your system yes maintained with a professional cleaning and checking. Least, yeah, at least twice a year. Overwatering your home. So this one, you may be a, a sprinkler system. Oh yeah, programmed to come on yearly mm-hmm. on early morning hours for optimum lawn health. Yes, yeah, this can become a problem obviously if you're never around to see if they're actually watering. Right, that water could penetrate into your basement and create yeah. bigger problems. Yeah, you you want to make sure that you're looking at where your sprinklers are spraying because yeah. we see a lot of sprinklers are spraying the side of a house and no one's paying attention to it. So yeah, yeah you may want to just run a test cycle in the middle of the day so you can check where all those are spraying. Water temperature set too high on your yeah. water heater. That could be a problem, not only because it's scolding your yeah, it's dangerous. body, but it's right. also wasting money. Mm-hmm. Leaky windows and doors. We've talked about in right. the past. You're losing air, yeah. costing you money, going in and out. Make sure you caulk. Uh, paying a handyman. I know handymen are going to hate this one, but don't pay a handyman for a job that's simple enough for you to do yourself. If you're unsure of how to do something, look up the videos online. And finally... We're out of time. Ignored curled shingles are a sign of something that is breaking down. Yeah, and your roof's at the end of the life. Yeah, Call a roofer. Call a roofer. Yep. All right, we are out of time. My thanks to Brad Lawler, Home Team Inspection Service, 357-0813. Thank you for being hey, here. Thank you. Happy also, New Year. Happy New Year. Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Tuttle and Escrow. She bakes great cookies. No, actually, those are brought in. <laughs> I wish. But she's a great lady, 649 796 Four is her direct Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, You can reach me anytime on my cell phone, even on New Year's Day. We're going to be rocking and rolling. 376-5483 is the direct number to call. And coming up next week, six things professional burglars don't want you to know. See you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS. News Radio 840 WHAS.